Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws to the end zone. It is caught for the Miami touchdown. It's Parker. All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked off. Going to the end zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Blake fake. Throws it. There he is. Rockets. And it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up, Finns fans? Hope everybody had a safe and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. But we're back. Time to get to work, Mason. We have Miami Dolphins football to talk about here on Fin It to Win It. My name's Riley Bradshaw alongside Mason Englehart. As always, we're brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. Guys, we have an exciting exercise for you tonight, Mason. As we look ahead to the 2020 season, we're talking breakout candidates guys that we think are going to take that next level and really blow up and put themselves on the map for the Miami Dolphins this upcoming season. Before we get into our list, we went back and forth, you and I, you know, before the show, kind of talking about players that came to mind. I want to talk about some that we got on Facebook, and I want to get your criteria, Mason, when you were thinking about players, because when I look at this list that we got from Dolphins fans, Mason, there is such a diversity in answers. There are so many guys you could mention and really make an argument, make a case for them to be on this list as a breakout candidate. Yeah. So when you look at the term breakout, I think a lot of people have different definitions of this. Some see a player who is kind of on that cusp of really taking it to the next level. Some look at players who might've had really solid seasons before in the NFL, but they might be coming to a new team or they could have had a decline. And then I think others just look at a really, really good player and they say, well, they can, they're going to take it to the next level. For me personally, though, I like to look at a guy who has shown some progress or who has shown some ability in their skill, but they're going to be put in a great situation next season for the Dolphins to really take it to the next level. To do this, I know, Riley, you did the same thing. We really went back. We went back to last season to look at how the season finished how the player or players did during the span of the entire season, if they had to be benched, if they had an injury issue or anything like that, and also how they're going to fit with the new offensive and defensive coordinators. I think that's a big thing that some people don't realize. When you change the scheme up, how is that going to affect a player in a positive way or in a negative way? It's funny you mention that because we have a lot of guys on the list that we're going to talk about that you know, that really pertains to them big time. Guys that really we saw maybe towards the end of last season pick their game up, their production picked up, but are they going to be able to continue that with a new offensive and defensive coordinator for the Dolphins? So we'll get into that in a little bit. I want to read some of our Facebook responses. And this whole thing kind of stemmed this beginning of the conversation. I was seeing a lot of Devontae Parker and Jerome Baker in answers from Dolphins fans. And to me, Mason, you know, I th- I think of it as they had their breakout season last year as opposed to, you know, going into this season. They're guys that already blew up and now are on the map. It's just them sustaining, you know, that production that we saw from them last year and continuing to progress in their career. For me, I'm looking more at guys 
that either through injury were riddled a little bit or they came out of the gate slow from college and have picked up their game recently or in the last part of last season. So there's a lot of different ways that you could look at this, but let's take a look at some of our answers from Facebook. Alex Lozano, he said Preston Williams on offense, Christian Wilkins on defense. Here's a little teaser. You're going to hear both of those names in our list uh, coming up here in a little bit. Tino Fletcher had an interesting one, Mason. He said Josh Rosen. So it looks like Tino is expecting Josh Rosen to get some snaps this year, huh? <laughs> yeah, he must be Nostradamus or a, a psychic or something. To come up with Josh Rosen, you must really, really be thinking that something's going to happen with Fitzpatrick. Two is not ready. Rosen's going to have to come in there and kind of step forth. And hey, you never know. We've seen crazier things happen. Unless, Mason, unless he's thinking Josh Rosen on another team. <laughs> Since there's so Possibly. many trade rumors out there surrounding Josh Rosen. Uh, Tony Balboa, he said Preston Williams. We have a lot of Preston Williams on here. Brad Nelson said Mike Gusecki for sure. A lot of people said Mike Gusecki as well. Peter Ferry had an interesting one. He said Jakeem Grant or Isaiah Ford, two wide receivers, both going into big years with so much competition around the wide receiver group, especially Jakeem Grant. You know, coming off an injury, trying to prove himself as a wide receiver. Mason, I don't know if you saw on Twitter recently some of the videos that Jakeem Grant's been posting, but his route running is looking precise right now. I hope it was the first take. That's all I'm saying. Not not to call him out and say he had to do it 20 times before it looked that good, but huge is an understatement for Jakeem Grant. Same, same thing with Isaiah Ford, but Jakeem Grant is really going to have to prove that he is a NFL wide receiver, not special teams player but a wide receiver we talked about in our wide receiver preview. That means he's going to actually have to get out on the field more than 20% or so of the snaps in a game, but it is good to see him out running routes that nicely looking that sharp. Uh, I hope he brings his a game to training camp. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, Mason, I'm sure that Jakeem Grant and all of his, all of his training crew is out there at some middle school or high school field and, you know, they have a script that they're going through and a rundown. Okay, so this camera angle is going to be here. This shot's going to be here. Let's run it back and watch it. Make sure make sure it looks good. I don't think Jakeem Grant gives a damn about that. <laughs> I think Jakeem Grant is ready to play some freaking football. He better give a damn about it, though. I mean, if, if you're going to, you can't put a video out there if you're looking sluggish. I don't think they have a camera crew out there recording them, but I think his boys or whoever's recording them, they're going to make sure he looks good out there. Let's see. Let's get one more name in here. Actually, I got a couple. I got a good one to end off with. But Terry Carper said Jordan Howard, the running back. And at the end of our discussion, our list, we're going to talk about some guys that weren't necessarily Dolphins last year, but we think, you know, through offseason moves, whether it was free agency or the draft, can come in and really make an impact for the Dolphins this year. So he said Jordan Howard, the running back, which I think is an interesting, interesting take because I feel like Jordan Howard, Mason, in my opinion, is one of the more underrated signings that the Dolphins had. I mean, all this guy has done since he's been in the league when healthy is produce. He came in, had two 1,000-yard seasons. He was uh, sidelined with a shoulder injury last year, but he was one of the more productive running backs since coming in to the league. He's not going to blow you off the paper with his stats or his athletic ability, but he is one of those steady, solid running backs that's going to get the job done between the tackles. So, I, Terry, I'm on board with you, man. I thought that's a good call. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I said before. A lot of people look at breakout players as maybe players who have been successful before. Something's happened to their career, and they're trying to rebound. 
not to say Jordan Howard's had a lot of bad things happen. He did miss almost half the season last year, but very productive. He has a lot of positives in his game. I know we're going to break him down in the rest of the Dolphins RBs later on with a uh, running back breakdown show, but yeah. interesting choice with Jordan Howard for sure. And to cap it all off, I think the best answer takes the cake in my opinion. Brad Ayers on Facebook, Mason says, Ray Finkel, the great Ray Finkel. <laughs> Laces out. Laces out. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our list. But before we do, Mason, a quick word from Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of games, events, and other sporting events that you can bet on. Mason, why don't you give people the skinny? So even though, Riley, we all know there's not a lot of live sports going on right now, you can still go on to BetOnline and bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. It's a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament. You can enter for free. That's right, for free. And live right now, we've talked about this um, on previous episodes, but live right now, if you go to BetOnline's YouTube channel, you can find that exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. So visit betonline.ag and use this promo code BLUEWIRE. That's promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, so let's dive right into this, Mason. And our first name is a guy that has appeared on a lot of people's from Facebook's list. And it's a very interesting one. I want to dive a little deep into this one because there's an argument for the pro and an argument for the negative when it comes to Mike Kosicki, the tight end. So he came into the came into the league and was disappointing to say the least, his you know, his rookie season. I think he had what under three hundred total receiving yards his rookie year. But it all kind of started coming together in the second part of last year. The final nine weeks of 2019, Mason, Gesicki had 36 receptions, 417 yards, and five touchdowns. So if you take that pace and put it through 16 games, we're talking about 700 to 750 yards, nine or 10 touchdowns from Mike Gesicki. Now, I know that's you know projecting if he can keep the consistency going, but in terms of production, he really turned a corner at the end of last year was one of the better tight ends in the entire NFL expectations is going to be a key thing next year with Mike Gesicki. If you're going into next season and saying, you know, Mike Gesicki, he's going to be a breakout player. He's going to have a thousand yards. He's going to have 1200 yards. I feel like your expectations are way too high for Mike Gesicki in this type of offense, this Changeli offense. It's not a traditional offense that is going to feed tight ends regularly throughout the game. There's very few examples, actually, in Changeli's history where tight ends have given him big numbers. So with that being said, I like when you look at the way he ended the season, and you did mention some stats. If he would have stayed on pace, he would have had around 740 yards with nine touchdowns. That is a really solid year. You may look at those numbers and say, oh, that doesn't seem that great to me. Well, guess what? Riley, if he would have had those years for the last year, that would have put him in the top 10 tight ends about seventh among NFL tight ends. So with that being said, I think that is a very good realistic goal for Mike Gesicki next year. And that's why I see him as a breakout player. He's going to take what he did at the end of last season, and he's going to continue to improve. There's a big con that comes from him that we haven't said yet, and that's his blocking ability. 
How worried are you, Riley, about the way he's going to perform when he's out there on the field with blocking? Well, that, you know, he's not a hand in the dirt type of tight end. He's not going to line up on the inline like Adam Gase tried to make him do. Utilize his skill sets for what they are. He is a receiving tight end. He is a receiver playing the tight end position. And they kind of started doing that last year. He took 461 snaps from the slot and only 159 from the line of scrimmage. So you could see that transition starting to take place last year. But the interesting point here, Mason, and this is the anti-Mike Kosicki um, crowd. You know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. You mentioned the change in offensive coordinator. So obviously last year under Chad O'Shea, we saw this transformation in Mike Kosicki. But Chad O'Shea is not here anymore, Mason. It's Chan Gailey. And you mentioned it. Chan Gailey's offense does not feature the tight end. Uh, when you go back in the history of Chan Gailey running offenses, you have to go back to Tony Gonzalez for the last guy that was a Pro Bowl caliber player from the tight end position. And, you know, we all know Tony Gonzalez. I don't think anyone here is saying Mike Kosicki is Tony Gonzalez. Um, but you take a look at some of these other tight ends that he coached and, you know, Jeff Cumberland, Scott Chandler. I think Mike Kosicki's skill sets are a little different than those guys. So I don't think his numbers will be as poor you know, reception-wise as a Scott Chandler or Jeff Cumberland under Chan Gailey, but don't expect, you know, Pro Bowl caliber numbers like a Tony Gonzalez. I think they just have to utilize his skill set for what it is. Don't think of him as a tight end. Think of him as an offensive weapon from the slot position. The position of tight end has really developed and changed over the years too, Riley. You're exactly right. Hand in the dirt is kind of gone. Lining up in the slot, not... Moving around the field, that's what we see now in the NFL. And the fact that the Dolphins didn't really make any big moves in the offseason with a tight end position in the draft or free agency tells me that this is their guy they want to roll out with in week one. And I agree with that. We mentioned the stats. We mentioned the production. I mean, this is a guy that did not find the end zone in his first year and a half as a Dolphin. (laughs) First year and a half. I'll repeat that again. So for him to make that turnaround at the end of last year, it's going to help his confidence a lot. I'm excited to see what he can build up on. I think he's a very, very solid pick for a breakout player next year. Five touchdowns in the last six weeks of the year. I love it. So if he can do that over the entire course of a season, you're talking a fringe Pro Bowl caliber tight end. Um, He has that type of skills. He has that type of talent. It'll just be interesting to see how Chan Gailey utilizes him, but... You know, if you look at, you know, if you clump the tight ends and wide receivers together, you obviously have Devontae Parker as your number one. But depending on the status of Preston Williams with his health, we could be looking at Mike Kosicki as the number two option in the passing game this year. Yeah, with Preston Williams coming off of injury, I I would totally buy that. I'm not selling that idea at all. I think Kosicki could really find a nice niche if there's some injuries. We know when we previewed the wide receiver uh depth of the Dolphins durability was a huge word we kept saying throughout the entire episode and if there are issues or injury concerns Gesicki is going to have to play a much larger role in the passing game quick question for you Mason if you had to project Mike Gesicki do you think he's more likely to get a thousand yards receiving in this offense or 10 receiving touchdowns yeah as soon as you started that sentence I knew where you're going with it easily 10 touchdowns I mean I just feel like they're going to utilize his strengths more near the end zone near the goal line in the red zone I just feel like he's going to fit that role on this team. There's a lot of mouths to feed in the passing attack for the Dolphins. Not saying they're they're all-star players, but I'm saying that there's a lot of capable talent out there. I don't see him as a guy who's going to get the Kelsey or the Gronk targets 
10 to 12 a game. But I feel like Gusecki's in a position to really replicate what he did at the end of last season. So I definitely think that he is much more likely to get double-digit touchdowns than to get 1,000 receiving yards or more. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Mason. I think if you go back, just look on YouTube. 2019 Mike Gesicki highlight film. You're just going to see play after play in the seam, Mike Gesicki brutalizing and taking advantage of linebackers and safeties. That is his strength. That is where you can utilize him the most. And I think the chemistry that he created with Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, and even if Tua plays, Mason, I mean, what is Tua's strength? In the pocket, he's the most accurate passer coming out of the draft. So that trust that Fitzpatrick gained with Gesicki, that he can throw it in those contested spaces, and Gesicki's going to come down with it at the point of catch, use his athleticism, use his size to his advantage over the smaller defender, Tua can do that exact same thing. So I don't think it matters who's playing quarterback. As long as he is utilized correctly, Mike Gesicki is for sure a breakout candidate for the Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and move to our second guy on the list. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball at the safety position. I don't know about you, Mason, but I know me and many other Dolphins fans were very worried about the safety position going into last season. (laughs) And I still am worried in many aspects, but Eric Rowe comes in as a cornerback. He played cornerback his entire career makes the transition to strong safety. And I thought he played well, especially towards the later part of the season. He really did. When you look at Brian Flores and his career, when he was with New England, he had some amazing safeties. Uh, We're talking about McCourty, Chung, and Harmon. And one thing these guys did was they played a lot of defensive snaps. They did a lot of things. They do a lot of things very well. But they're on the field a lot. Eric Rowe from last year really, really, really did a great job of staying on the field. We know the Dolphins had a lot of issues with their secondary through the year, but to be on the field for almost 96% of the snaps shows you that this defensive staff really had confidence in him as the season went on. You mentioned about him moving from corner to safety. In his four games as corner, he allowed 14 receptions on 20 targets for 193 yards and two touchdowns. When he moved over for the rest of the season, only 24 receptions on 45 targets for 227 yards. And Riley, this is the most important thing, no scores. When he moved to safety, we saw a lot of better covering tight ends, playing the hook and flats. He really found that career resurrection. I hate to be that dramatic, but he really did. No, for sure. No, absolutely. He He struggled early during the season, and the staff was smart enough when all the Minka Fitzpatrick stuff was going on to move him to safety and he flourished and he is a great candidate next year for being a breakout player. Versatility, Mason. Versatility. He's another one of those Brian Flores type of guys. He comes in at cornerback, but he's able to be utilized in multiple positions and now he's our starting strong safety. And you talked about all of his coverage, but that's not even his strength, Mason. His strength is tackling. This guy spent... 446 snaps in the box last year, 226 at the corner slot, 254 out wide, 86 at the free safety position. He played a lot of snaps, just like you mentioned last year. And in that entire year, he only missed eight tackles all season long. He was graded from PFF, Pro Football Focus, over 70 rating in tackling, 11 out of 16 games, Mason. This guy's a tackling machine. He likes to get up on the line of scrimmage, get on those tight ends, And you talked about that a little bit earlier. 
utilizing him against bigger tight ends, that was really where he excelled in terms of his coverage. I think he really found a niche in the strong safety position, but the fact that he can play multiple positions is just another one of those Brian Flores guys. He's just all over the field. He is. And going back to PFF grading real quick, I found it interesting. All 16 of his games, if you look at them, when it's mixed between the safety position and the corner position, nine out of 10 of his best coverage grades were in games after week six. So he's one of those guys, when you talk about breakout players, how do they progress through the season? This is a guy in Eric Rowe who really found a nice position playing safety. And we saw that if you watch the game tape throughout the season as he's covering tight ends, you really see him being comfortable with that. I feel like he's going to be someone who's going to be in a really good spot next year to play a lot of snaps and really contribute on defense. So let's move ahead to a guy that we don't know what kind of spot he's going to be in next year. We don't even know if he's going to be a starter for the Dolphins next season. But Nice transition. I like yeah, that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm talking on the offensive line. I mean, they brought in so many new faces to this offensive line. The only guy that could potentially be there from last season that we were accustomed to seeing on the line last year is Michael Dieter. So they pick him in the third round from Wisconsin. Um, they throw him right into the Wolves at left guard. And once Tunsil's traded, he's working with nothing. <laughs> like, absolutely nothing. Kilgore was terrible last year. They were a revolving door at the left tackle spot. So, yes, Dieter was bad last year. But the entire offensive line was bad last year, Mason. I'm interested to see a guy coming off of his rookie season that finally could have some stability at the line. They're going to move him to right guard. They brought in Eric Flowers. They drafted Robert Hunt, who they're going to try to play at tackle. He's going to challenge Jesse Davis for that tackle position. It's going to be interesting to see how the pieces fall in training camp because Dieter has his hands full in terms of competition. But even if he doesn't win out, you know, and doesn't win a starting job, a guy with his versatility, another guy with versatility traits, that Brian Flores type of guy, he played tackle, guard, and center at Wisconsin, Mason. He's more suited for guard or center. But it's going to be interesting to see what kind of battles materialize in training camp, especially if Robert Hunt doesn't take that tackle position. I could see him taking over Dieter's spot at right guard. But still, just the fact that you bring some stability and better players talent-wise around Dieter, he's got to get better, right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, to look on the bright side, he's got to say it can't get any worse than last year. You mentioned how rough our offensive line was. All Dolphin fans out there know how rough it was. I'm going to look on the positives for a second for Michael Dieter. Aside from his benching, he never missed a snap. He can show you a lot of really good durability. I don't think that's any fluke. You mentioned he was at Wisconsin. 53 consecutive starts. That's one of the reasons the Dolphins drafted him in the third round for his durability. So that's really great to see. Even though he got benched, he still came back in at the end of the season. And it was only three games after his benching. There were some mixed results. He did post his highest run blocking and pass blocking rating from PFF during that span. Um, another bright side, only five penalties all season. We talked about all these issues with the offensive line. Only five penalties is really solid, especially from a rookie offensive lineman. And he only allowed six sacks. The Dolphins gave up in some games. They gave up six sacks. So there are some really bright spots to look at, but you do you did mention, Riley, how they've brought in a lot of competition for that right guard spot. We're going we're gonna to see what happens. The good thing is not only is he durable, but he can be moved around. 
but he's got to change some things with his techniques. His hands come up way too early. He fell off too many blocks. There's going to have to be some change, but I think he's still a good player for a breakout position because of how much he played last season. He saw the worst of the worst of this Dolphins offensive line, and I, yeah. I'm hoping he can use that to his advantage. Yeah, he just he needs to work on getting off the line, utilizing the leverage, his hand placement, like you mentioned. He got beat off the line just too many times last year, but he was a rookie, a rookie that was on this unstable line. So he was just put into a bad spot. I do think it's interesting, Mason, of the six sacks he gave up last year, zero were in the last six games. So at least there was some turnaround there. He did give up a lot of quarterback hurries, a lot of pressures and whatnot, but zero sacks in the last six games. So that's another positive you can take. But I'm really excited in the next couple of weeks when we get to the offensive line breakdown that we're going to do because <laughs> there are so many scenarios. This is the most intriguing position group in the entire team, in my opinion, Mason, because there's so many scenarios of how this can play out. And Dieter is the center of it because, you know, they're planning on moving him to right guard. But if, like I mentioned, if Hunt loses out at tackle, Will he kick into guard and take Dieter's spot? But then if that happens, will Dieter then challenge Karras for the center position because he played some center at Wisconsin? So I don't think it's time to give up on Dieter after a rough rookie year. Yes, he has a lot to improve upon, but let's just not give up on him just yet. Even if he's not starting this year, he will be a valuable sixth offensive lineman off the bench. And we all know injuries happen throughout the season, especially for the Miami Dolphins for some reason it seems like so. He will be utilized at some point. His time will come, whether he's starting at the beginning of the season or not. So, Riley, let's move now to the other side of the ball where we talked about a rookie and Michael Dieter. Let's talk about another rookie last year who we feel like can really step up, and that's Christian Wilkins. Riley, the Dolphins really addressed their defensive front this offseason, especially in the defensive end position. you you got to like Christian Wilkins' chances to provide more of a spark defensively next year because of these moves, right? Well, it's just like Dieter, right? I mean, Wilkins had more highs than Dieter had last year, but inconsistent in his rookie season. Six games, he had a PFF rating of 69 or higher, but then he also had six games where he had a PFF rating of 53 or lower, the bottom third of the entire league. So he was all over the map in terms of consistency, but just like with Dieter, you can also point to, well, did he have a pass rush around him? The answer is hell no. Charles Harris was non-existent. Taco Charlton was non-existent. They were not getting any pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. So what do you expect from this guy coming into his rookie season to contribute at the defensive line position in this scheme to provide any type of pressure when nothing is happening on the edge? No, bringing, bringing in Lawson, bringing in Agba, and then what the Dolphins did in the draft, they really shied away from those skill positions, and they really focused on the trenches on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. With those moves and getting those – I know you love them, I love them too – getting a potential steal like Curtis Weaver, yep. shuffling those guys around, it's going to give Wilkins more of an opportunity. I think he's going to find it much easier to do his job. Only had two sacks last season. But PFF ranked him fourth overall with 21 assisted tackles. So even though he's not getting a ton of solo tackles, he can do a good job with the assisted tackles. I like his opportunity next year because of who the Dolphins have brought in, especially those defensive ends. 
Yeah, he only capitalized on two sacks last season, but he had 30 total pressures, Mason. In 16 of his 26 quarterback hurries occurred weeks 12 through 17. So he's another one of those guys towards the end of the season, you started to kind of see turn a little bit of a corner here, much like a lot of the guys we've already mentioned on this list. So you mentioned the key additions, especially at the edge rush. So it's going to be interesting to see if Christian Wilkins can take that next step with some stability on the line around him, you know, and take that big next step as our first round pick from last year's draft. I personally have a lot of faith in Christian Wilkins. I watched him a lot when he was at Clemson. Dude was an absolute monster. He was named Defensive Lineman of the Year his junior season. So the dude has talent. Before we move on, I think it's worth mentioning quickly the other defensive lineman in the group that's on the last year of his contract. It's a big year for Devon Godshaw. He was actually drafted in the fifth round out of LSU, and he's been one of the big-time surprises for the Miami Dolphins since he's come into the league. He started 37 of his last 47 games. Last year with the Dolphins, he had two sacks, 75 combined tackles. He was really a menace, a force in stopping the run game. He's not that guy that's going to get quarterback pressure, but that's not what they brought him in for. They brought him in to clog up those holes in the middle, be that run stopper. So I think this is a big year for Devon Godshaw to prove himself worthy of a long-term extension with the Miami Dolphins. Both guys have to be thrilled with the the changes the Dolphins have done this offseason, the guys they brought in, because it's just going to help them. And it's also going to help the linebackers as well. It's going to help everybody all around. All right, so let's go back to the offensive side of the ball, Mason. And we're going to get to some guys that showed up in our Facebook comments. Preston Williams is one of them. Albert Wilson is the other. And I think you can clump them in together because, I don't know, you can call this cheating or whatever you want to. But in my opinion, whoever's healthier is the one that's going to have the breakout season. (laughs) Yeah, I agree, Ryan. And if we would have recorded this um, episode maybe, you know, three, four weeks ago, I don't know if I would have included Albert Wilson on this list because I don't think he would have made the team. Where yeah, his salary was at, where his salary was at, I think it is a huge, huge, huge confidence boost for him and everybody around him next season that the Dolphins wanted to change that salary with him. Uh, The fact that they cut his salary down, that's going to open up more cap room for him. That's showing that the Dolphins don't just want to cut him. They don't want to get rid of him. They really want to see what he can do. I know people say, well, he has that one or two YouTube videos. That's all he can do. No way. Albert Wilson is a very, very special talent for this team. Before he had the hip surgery, he was showing us what he can do, not only as a receiver in the slot, but throwing the football, running the football, I'm really excited to see if Albert Wilson can capitalize from last season where he had a career high in 43 receptions and he was top 60 in targets. I mean, that is really exciting, that kind of player, and see what he can do next year. I love how salty you got, Mason. So (laughs) for people that don't know, I posted an Albert Wilson highlight, that big touchdown run. He caught it over the middle, broke a few tackles, and ran it for a long touchdown. And some guy on Facebook was trolling. It was like, can we please show another highlight of a reason, uh, another highlight of Albert Wilson as a reason to keep him other than this one? I'm so sick and tired. Mason, <laughs> you got salty, man. You posted like three highlights back to back to back just to prove him wrong in that Facebook comment section. Hey, listen, I could have found more too, but I figured three highlights was enough. But, you know, I, I just think it's unfair sometimes. Of course, that Albert Wilson touchdown Riley's referring to the one against the Bears, the 70 yarder or so where he kind of weaves in and out. Awesome touchdown late in the fourth quarter to help the Dolphins win that game. But 
That touchdown was huge. They show it all the time, but he does so much more in the field and he's such an explosive talent. Durability is the key thing, like you said, Riley, with not only with him, but Preston Williams. If these guys can stay healthy, especially Albert Wilson, man, oh, man, oh, man, they bring so much to this offense. Well, that's that's kind of the reason why I posted that highlight in the first place is because he brings something that no other Miami Dolphins receiver brings, especially over the middle. And that's elusiveness. He is that sprinter mentality. He's quick to get into space and utilize taking advantage of those holes in the zone, his change of direction. I mean, other than Jakeem Grant, it's probably the best on the team. So when healthy, and like you mentioned, that's obviously the big if with Albert Wilson, but when healthy, he's proven to be one of those guys that is the explosive playmaker on this team that we really don't have. Like Preston Williams is a great receiver. Devontae Parker, we know, can beat you over the top, but those guys that can take that 10-yard slant and turn it into a touchdown run, that's what Albert Wilson brings to your offense. And that's the reason why I thought that highlight was worth showing. But has he turned a corner with his injury? So he was injured most of the 2018 season, came back last year, just was not himself for the first half or so of the season. Mason, weeks 1 through 14, Albert Wilson only averaged 10 yards per reception one time. And that one time was week seven versus Buffalo when he had one catch for 22 yards. <laughs> so it wasn't like he had a stellar performance that week. But weeks 15 through 17, Mason, he averaged over 11 yards per catch in each game versus the Giants, Bengals, and Patriots. So did we finally see the Albert Wilson of old? That is the question. It's a big question mark, but he says he's 100% healthy on Twitter. I know it's just you know him talking on Twitter, but if he's 100% healthy, to go along with Devontae Parker, Gesicki, Preston Williams, if he can be healthy. Albert Wilson is that dynamic playmaker in the middle of the field that the Dolphins need this year. Riley, who do you feel like is more important to this offense next year? And, and this is a tough question to answer, and you may not have a, a clear-cut answer, but who is more important to this offense? Healthy Albert Wilson or healthy Preston Williams? I'm going to say Albert Wilson because of kind of what I just mentioned, because of what he brings in terms of diversity of skill set to the offense. Like, Preston Williams, I probably like more in terms of his overall talent and his ceiling. But Devontae Parker brings a lot to the table of what Preston Williams does. So does Gesicki. No one on this team other than maybe Jakeem Grant, and he has his baggage as well. Nobody brings what Albert Wilson brings over the middle of the field. So I, that's why I keep saying he is the most important receiver in terms of making sure he's 100% healthy because what he brings is just so different than what any other receiver brings. But let's talk about Preston Williams for a minute because Mason, the guy was an undrafted rookie. He was having a stellar rookie season on his way to potentially a thousand yard year with the Dolphins. Then he blew out his ACL. The one thing that concerns me with that Mason to second ACL tear. A lot of people don't know this, but he tore his ACL coming out of high school before he went to Tennessee and he never could get on track at Tennessee he ends up transferring to Colorado State, totally blows up, monster year, goes undrafted, a lot of off-the-field issues, and seemed like he was putting things together. If he could get rid of some of those, you know, some of those drops that he had last year, we're looking at a potential dangerous one-two combination on the outside. But another ACL tear, Mason, can he get over that hurdle and get healthy again? You can't rush it. You can't. Um, I know I've seen conflicting reports. I've seen somewhere it says that Preston Williams could easily come back 
before the start of the season. I've heard other reports that said the Dolphins may even wait till October, somewhere in the middle of the season. For me, you really, really got to play it careful. You cannot have him have a third ACL injury. So with that being said, though, you answered the question, you said Albert Wilson. I do tend to agree with you because of his shiftiness and his speed over the middle of the field, but I'm very high on Preston Williams. The way he can sink his hips, the way he can be an also a shifty slot receiver like Albert Wilson, Preston Williams can go vertical as well. He's got yeah. solid acceleration. I mean, he, oh, he's an athletic he freak. Really, yeah, I mean, his off-the-field flags really hindered his first-round talent and last season, he really proved to the NFL how important he can be. I love his consistent separation. I love his routes, like I mentioned. I mean, I, I can't say that enough. His route tree is beautiful. But they have to ease him back. They can't afford him to go down because I love him and Parker as that one-two punch for the Miami wide receivers. He needs to stay healthy. So please ease him back, Miami. Ease him well, back. Yeah, if, if Mason, if you're asking me which Dolphins receiver I'd rather have for the next five years, it's Preston Williams 10 out of 10 times. But in terms of the skill set that they bring, the guy that you need at 100% more this year is Albert Wilson. But I was looking at Preston Williams, and I didn't realize this, Mason. Coming out of high school, did you know that he was a five-star recruit to Tennessee? He was the number two overall wide receiver coming into college before he blew out his ACL. I had heard that. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of recruiting uh, hoopla. I try not to get too much into it just because all the time you hear five-star, five-star, yeah, they yeah. kind of just fade away. But, yes, I, I did hear about that. Uh, Preston Williams was a really high-regarded wide receiver coming out of there. And, hey, listen, better, better for us that he landed with the Dolphins. I think if he stays healthy, he can really develop into a solid talent. Yeah, so that year in high school, his senior year that he got injured, it was his right knee. The punt return versus the Jets last year, it was his left knee, so he has a torn ACL on both both knees now. But he's saying he's going to be ready to go by training camp. That would give him around 10 months since the knee injury. But, I mean, Mason, honestly, like not to minimize the severity of an ACL tear, but these days it just seems like, God, every it's like everybody has an ACL tear now, you know? And just how medicine has evolved especially over the past decade or so, it's like these guys are coming back from ACL tears and you would never know that that injury happened in the first place. So Riley, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we were each going to provide a player who is not on the Dolphins last year, but we feel like can be a breakout player. I went with someone on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned the word versatility earlier. I really, really found, I think, a versatile player. Let me give you some stats. According to Pro Football Focus, this player has played over 1,700 defensive snaps. He's also played 324 special team snaps. And if that doesn't make you happy, he's also played 70 snaps at a full back position. And he did that last year with none other than the team we love to sign players from. That's the New England Patriots. I'm talking about Landon Roberts. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for a few years now. I feel like he can do a lot of different things for this team, and it really starts with leadership. Bill Belichick has talked about this guy a lot. He's talked about how a tremendous leader he is on and off the field. I feel like last season he really, really showed what kind of run stopper he can be. Um, he compiled 206 total tackles, 15 for a loss, four sacks, 
forced fumble, fumble recovery, six passes defense. So he's done a lot in the 60 games he's played, and he started 33 of them all at inside linebacker. I like this guy. He does struggle in coverage, but I like his versatility. I feel like if he can kind of fit in with Brian Flores' defensive schemes, he can do a lot for this team. We've talked about so many guys today, and I think you know that it's obviously this theme that what Brian Flores is looking for in football players, guys that can play multiple positions and contribute to the football team in multiple ways. I mean, you could say the same thing about Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson played a lot of linebacker, you know, stand-up linebacker during his days at Clemson, but he can also be that hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. So guys that can be utilized in multiple different ways on the offense or defense, I think it's it's crucial to contribute in a Brian Flores system. So that's a good pull there. I went offensive, and it's a guy that kind of complements the Jordan Howard pickup that we talked about earlier, that lightning and thunder. So I'm talking about Matt Breida. I know, Mason, you were freaking out during the the draft, much like many other Miami Dolphins fans, that the Dolphins hadn't picked up a running back. There was a lot of guys they were linked to that came and went off the draft board. But in the fifth round, they traded that fifth rounder for Matt Breida. And to me, I thought it was a home run of a pickup. I know Matt Breida, he's not that guy that's going to carry the load. You're not going to get 25 carries a game for Matt Breida, but the compliment of him and Jordan Howard is why I'm so excited about this offensive unit in the backfield. I mean, I know you you can only go up when your quarterback, your 37-year-old quarterback's your leading rusher, but Jordan Howard comes in, power between the tackles, consistency between the tackles, and then you bring in that explosive playmaker like Matt Breida on our Twitter page, Mason, the other day, at Finit to Win It on Twitter and Facebook. I posted a video of Matt Breida last year versus the Cleveland Browns running 22.3 miles per hour on a 70-yard touchdown run versus the Cleveland Browns. Fastest run in the entire NFL last year. That's what this guy brings you. Explosiveness out of the backfield. Something we haven't had to this extent in a long time. And listen, we'll get into the whole running back situation in the draft and our running back preview show. But, but Riley... even though you exaggerated a little bit, you were pretty close to being correct. I was freaking out a little bit. Bringing in Matt Breda was not only a home run, but it really gives the Dolphins a more versatile, we're using that word again, a versatile backfield, thunder and lightning. We mentioned that a few times. That's a great way to compare these two running backs for the Dolphins who are going to play a large role. I agree. Matt Breda is going to have a really big role with this team. He's going to have to provide that spark that they did not get in the running game last year. It's going to start, though, with the offensive line. It's going to be quite the carousel to see where different guys fit in. But when you have speed, it really does help with the defense backing off a little bit, especially not sending in as as many blitzers. They have to keep the defense honest. So having someone like that in our backfield is going to be a tremendous, tremendous key to our running the ball success next season. He led the NFL last year, Mason in breakaway yardage percentage. So runs that were over 15 yards led the entire NFL. He had 18 runs of 10 yards or more. Almost 15% of his runs went for at least 10 yards. He had 27 in 2018. So he had a lot of competition. It was a crowded backfield in San Francisco. That's why they decided to move on from him. But for a fifth rounder, Mason, to get a player with that explosive caliber, and like I mentioned, you're going to probably see Jordan Howard on first and second down running between the tackles. Brita coming in and being that 
change of pace playmaker that could hit that home run at any moment, it's going to keep defenses honest. You're not going to be able to, you know, drop four, five, six in coverage anymore, go nickel and dime all down the field and make Ryan Fitzpatrick beat you because you, they can't run the ball. You're going to have to now be looking in the backfield for Matt Breida at all times, which is going to open up so much more in the passing game. So they needed to address, obviously, the running back position. And they did it in some unorthodox ways that a lot of Dolphins fans wasn't expecting. Now, is Jordan Howard or Matt Breida the running back of the future? Probably not. But I think in terms of what you have in Jordan Howard, bringing in a Matt Breida brings that lightning aspect that makes me so excited, which is why I think he is definitely a breakout candidate for the Miami Dolphins this year if he can stay healthy. And what makes everything, what makes this so fun, Riley, with the breakout players is there could be easily over 20 different guys you could mention for these spots and who is going to break out for the Dolphins. That's what happens when you have a team that is young and a team that is signing a lot of new guys in free agency. So it is really interesting. We went through the different social media posts we've had. We've had answers from Devontae Parker all the way to Josh Rosen and everything in between. So it's cool to go over these names and really break down how these guys are going to make an impact next year. I'm, I'm excited. All right, Dolphins fans. So we want to hear from you on social media. Let us know who your breakout candidates are for the Dolphins in this upcoming season at Finit to Win It. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Please be sure on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star review. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. We really appreciate it. Helps out the show a ton. You can catch us on bluewirepods.com and any other major podcast platform. We have a lot of great content coming on the way for you. As we kind of mentioned through this episode, we're going to be talking running backs, really breaking down that depth chart, talking offensive line. That's coming up in the next couple of weeks. So check us out at Fin It to Win It. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fins up, Dolphins fans. 